know what they like, so I just keep cheesing. Hard drive full of heat seeking. Trying to come to San Diego's Jack rethinking. You don't need Givenchy, you need Jesus. All right, back here on the sports grind, Calvin Casey. Jonas Clark producing Spin the One and Twos. Today's show is being presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose. And we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. 87737Grind. All right. So, keeping it moving here. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts on that, man. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. We've got some more reaction coming in. Um, I've got a message here. Who, who is this that uh, I'm checking in on Facebook? I mean, it says uh, Daryl's checking in with his Daryl Legion. He's checking in and says, this move is strictly about who's more important, Parsons or Lamb or Dakota. The boss, Jerry, has spoken. I mean, I guess. I mean, I don't look at it totally like that. It just looks like there's some uncertainty up top about really what they believe in Dak in general. That's just the thing. I mean, and, and to me, it's not really immediate threat enough to go in and push him, but it's the long term, and to me, it just is unnecessary. Josh Medina's checking in Facebook Live. says, come on, let's not act like Trey is the second coming. He's just a third-string quarterback. Trey ain't even pushing Coop, let alone Dak. Well, that's what I said, Joshua. Like He's not going to be – that's what I just said at the beginning of the take. But the reality of it is it means something. You can't say, oh, then why did they give up a fourth round for him? Why don't you go to the history of the NFL and look at to see the, the some of some big names that have gone on to almost have or if not have Hall of Fame careers that's come from the fourth round? There's not. I mean, you know, I know the perception the fourth rounds will get talked enough about the first or the second, but they're not throwaway picks. So this isn't just one of those like, I mean, because you can say that, Joshua, but you can't explain to me why they did it. Oh, what's the reason why they had to do it? They were good at the quarterback position. Most people don't carry three quarterbacks anyway on a roster on game day. I told you, man, I, I am not – I don't like the offseason that the Cowboys have had. I really don't. And, and, I, and I haven't said that in a long, long time. I don't like the talking. It's been a lot of talking. It's been about a lot of self-confidence building. It's been about – they spent a lot of time finger-pointing about what went wrong – last year and and that's and that's the problem that's that's pretty well and we're gonna see i mean we're, we're i mean we're less than 14 days away a man almost out to less than a little bit on two weeks away from finding out and it's gonna be a journey it's gonna be an interesting journey eight seven seven three seven grind all right keeping it moving uh preseason week three finale was a wrap last night um, with the matchup between the Texans and the Saints. We'll get to that because we have some news coming out with the Texans. We know exactly what we knew before where they were going. I want to have my thoughts on that. Uh, but let's go to the team in the Mile High City in Denver, Colorado. Um, first off, before we get to them, because I, I want to touch the, the – besides the story, because I think it would have been the story before the Trey Lance trade, okay, uh, but Aaron Rodgers did make – his debut he made his debut early saturday um found pay dirt found the end zone on his second drive um from what i looked at looked like looked at it um they looked the second series definitely looked more comfortable um you know maybe that's a connection a lot more to come between him and garrett wilson uh but they looked and you know kind of show what the jets fans of what could be uh, what could be. So I thought it is promising. The one thing I think that stood out to me more is I really think the attitude of this defense has really taken over Robert Sala. 
I mean, you kind of saw it at his time with San Francisco as a defensive coordinator. Um, there's a little swag to him. There's a little cockiness to him. Um, and this young defense going into their uh, third year under him, um, they finally, the culture, they finally taken over. I mean, they do play. When their starters are out there, their D-line, I mean, they play like a bunch of piranhas. Um, you know, now how far can they sustain that? Can they play that control under discipline? Do they, you know, are they going to be a group that gets frustrated because they're still young and things aren't going their way on a Sunday, Thursday, or Monday night? I don't know. Those are times to see. But what I saw Saturday and what I've kind of seen more than just the Aaron Rodgers and the first team offense is their defense really has an identity of their head coach. And it's, it's you know, you saw little bits, at least I can say, I saw little bits and pieces of that developed over the last couple. You saw more of it last year, but it really basically went and skyrocketed, uh, you know, so far what we've seen in the preseason when the starters have been out there. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. But no, Aaron looked pretty good. I mean, the offense, I mean, it definitely looked better than it had the previous times under Zach and everything else uh, under Hackett. Uh, other than Aaron, it looked like more of, you know, an offense that they are both calling and both comfortable with with Aaron. So we'll see what happens come that Monday night when they open up with the uh, Buffalo Bills. 877-37-GRIND. Um, now, to the game Saturday night uh, between the Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Rams. Um, look, you know, to see this organization and any type of offense, regardless whether it's twos, ones, or threes, or backup quarterbacks, that has that logo on their helmet and that organization, speaking of the Denver Broncos, um, it was odd seeing them score 41 points, period. I mean, if I'm going to keep it 100, which uh, keep it real, I mean, it, you know, it's been a long time since that fan base and that team and that organization has scored 41 points in anything. Okay, so let's get – I don't care if it was third string, fourth string, twos on threes, backups in general. That's the first thing. Let's get that out of the way. Number two, I think the encouraging thing, for one, um, you know, I'm not going to overreact over um, Stidman's performance against the Rams. I mean, I've said it before. He hasn't really popped off at the page at me um, up until, you know, his performance Saturday. But at the end of the day, I take that as that's, again, that's twos and threes. And at the end of the day, Russ is still the best option as well. We know it. Um, now, I know Sean sees Stidman in a different light. But I think the one thing I'll give him credit for, he stood in there and took some hits. I mean, he got lit up. I'm surprised that he didn't leave the game after he hit the first, took one in the ribs. He stood in there. Um, I like the, I like the, the, it's a good sign in regards to how they took the field. I mean, you got a bunch of guys that were desperate. Uh, the cut line is coming up tomorrow. Uh, you've got some guys there, not only camp battles, but individual battles, just times has been. Um, and you have a respect of a head coach and a coaching staff that you want to try to impress them. Uh, but I think the play calling um, and more of like not being so vanilla, Sean showed a little bit thing. You see second round pick Marvin Mims. You see him show off his speed. I mean, that's something that Denver hasn't had in a while. I mean, that was supposed to be K.J. Hamler, but he just can't get right. You know, but Denver hasn't had a guy that can take the top off like that since you see that. Um, defense, the way they finished the game was impressive. They protected the goose egg. Uh, but the running backs, I mean, McLaughlin, I will tell you this. Sean's got a decision to make at this tight end position because Albert O, the performance, and this is the reason why I've said for years since it went down the last couple of years, Noah Fant was not a big deal to me in that trade with Russell. 
Because I always knew Albert O was a better tight end than him. The problem is, is Albert O, for one, health-wise. Number two, um, being in the right system and the right using him the right way. Now, I don't know if Sean was displaying him Saturday night to try to get a pick for him to really trade. You know, because you got Dolage, and some people say, well, Dolage and, and, and Albert O is the same tight end. Well, Albert O, from what I've been hearing, is that's been doing a good job even in the run game and blocking. Albert O is very athletic, and I think if you are a Denver fan or you have followed this team for years under the Albert O experiment coming out of Missouri, trying to hook up with his boy Drew Locke, you would, you've heard a lot about his athleticism, but you've been patient, and it would hate to see him get to this point where obviously something clicked, and obviously he's had a good camp where you find him in another roster unless somebody's going to give away something for me. Hell, they're throwing away fourth-rounders for, for projects in these days and for experimental projects. But other than that, I'm hoping Albert O makes the team because I think when you look at the injuries from the receiver position, you've got to have as many skilled guys that you can have on this roster that can make plays in the passing game. And I think Albert O has had a good camp, and I thought he had a hell of a performance um, Saturday night. Um. What else? Pretty much that. That's what I – and, again, that's – I tell you that that's – when you say coaching matters, I mean, that's the thing. Can you see improvement? Are you coach? Are you making the same mistake? I mean, hell, the backup offensive lineman looked better than the first team for the most part. There was protection back there. Uh, but make no mistake, but I know, you know, social media, everybody, well, Russ, oh, man, you know, Stidman, look. Okay. Russ, you know, first of all, Russ could have learned a lot by sitting there because, honestly, I mean, Stidman, you got to give him credit for the, uh, you know, the pocket – plays he made from the pocket but I think it goes back again when you have a coaching staff that can improve and make improvements and you can see it from one next to another they needed to get a win even though it was preseason they needed to win a game you know they haven't won a game in a long time they needed to win a game it was very impressive now I think on the Rams side so it's going to be you know one of the things before I move into um, Hilton the wide receiver they've already made one cut uh, wide receiver Hilton he's he's been released now Everybody knows him from the COVID game. And ironically, if you remember, that was against the Saints. You know, when Drew Locke was in, you know, was not wearing a mask and he was in the quarterback room and they suspended all the quarterbacks. They couldn't play that game. And then you had to go and kindle him. You had to get him. He played college, uh, you know, quarterback at one time. You put him out there. Elway was pissed off at the league office because they wouldn't reschedule the game. His play call sheets in the Hall of Fame. He's done everything you wanted him to do for the organization. He's he's fought hard. He's been a competitor. From what are just had too many drops in camp. I mean, it just what I mean. The receiving core that you look. I think when you look at it, uh, you know, little Jordan Humphreys has had a good camp. You know. Um, you know, Callaway, I've been saying that, you know, I've been waiting for him to go. He might make it just off the fact that he knows the system. But the tight end decision is going to be very interesting because Sean's got one guy he brought over from the uh, – from my man slips my name, brought him over from New Orleans. You got Dolich that was a second-round pick, I believe, a couple years ago, and or a third or second-rounder. And then you have Albert O that I think what he did on Saturday night pretty much earned a roster spot. 877-37 grind. Now, on the Rams side – I don't know if it's going to be as bad as what it looked like Saturday night because, again, they played no starters for the most part. But the interesting thing to me is this situation with Matthew Stafford. 
okay? Um, you know, remember Matthew was very close. I mean, his wife was very vocal over a year ago toward the season, toward right at the off season, about wanting him pretty much to retire. Now, according, now keep in mind, Kelly Stafford, Okay, I think she has a podcast called Up in the Morning or After Morning After with Kelly Stafford. Is that the name of the podcast? Yeah, The Morning After. The Morning After. The podcast with Kelly Stafford. Well, Kelly Stafford on this podcast went on to pretty much reveal that her husband, Matthew Stafford, is having a difficult time, you know, understanding and relating to these young players in the locker room. And she went on in certain details in regards, like, you know, he'll tell you, hey, well, you know, he looks down there on their phone and he's like, hey, let's go hang out. But once these young kids, the first thing they want to get on the phone and then some guys are calling them, sir. And he's like, wait a minute, man, don't call me, sir. Like, we're on the same team, man. I'm your quarterback. You know, so you could see him going. But let me just tell you, and this is my new audience don't really know me like this, but I, you know, just have to keep it real. Just, you know, look, and I've had this situation, the way I view things in life is a little bit different than others. You know, like I said, I get called a sexist in my home at least three or four times a week. And I think it's so overrated and overblown. Look, that, in my opinion, that is no way in her place on her podcast to speak that. Those are private conversations. I'm going to keep the same intensity I had with Giselle when she was doing an interview and said, oh, well, Tommy's played with like two or three concussions. Like, you can tell the guys that are married in professional sports that really have an understanding with their wives or their significant others because you never really hear from them when it comes to really revealing information that people like myself or people in the media that can take or fans that can take and run with it. And to have Kelly Stafford to be on her podcast talking about evidently conversations that Matt has had between her. To put them out for public consumptions about he's having a hard time relating to his young players. They're on their phones all along. He's kind of they're calling him sir. He's just having a problem, you know, this and this and he doesn't know. And that is not, in my opinion, that is not to be the woman. What are we doing? Like Matthew. Okay. I'm not condoning that Matthew's got to have the fear of God in his wife as, let's say, um, you know, an Ike Turner or something like Ike. But come on, man. I mean, first of all, this goes back to right after season that she's claimed that after the surge, whatever, she wanted him to retire. To me, this is pretty much trying to talk your husband into what you want is to leave the game of football. I think it is so out of line to be able to put out a private conversation, knowing that your guy is in the public eye. He is a he has a job out of 32 in the world. It's called a National Football League quarterback. And you just made the whole let the whole world know that he's wonder if wonder if Matthew, what if Stafford has not relayed that to anybody in the locker room yet? Wonder if he hasn't gone to McVeigh or gone to his quarterback coach, like, hey man, how, how can I connect with these guys? And he's just like that old saying that used to do back in telemarketing, used to teach you fake it till you make it. Wonder if he's just faking around the locker room until he's able to sit there and have the right conversation with the coach, Sean McVay, or his teammates. Like, hey, guys, look, I want to bond with y'all more. Now that Kelly, is that her name? 
I'm going to get his wife's name right. I think I said it was Kelly. Yeah, Kelly. Now that Kelly, maybe she's on the way to trying to be Kelly Ripple or whatever, the, you know, Regis and Kelly. I don't know. Maybe she's trying to audition for that. But in my opinion, there's no reason for Kelly to put that out there. And, and, you know, now that she's put it out, the whole team would know. So if Matthew had plans of talking to his, you know, teammate or Coach McVay, say, hey, man, I need to connect with these guys. She's put it out there because you're going into the locker room. Hey, man, you hear what Matt's wife said? Yeah, man. We're making her feel good. Wow. Hey, man. Hey, dog. You see Matt? You see Matt's wife? Oh, man. Hold on. Here you come. Here you come. Hey, what's up, man? Man, let me tell you something, man. Like I said, in professional sports, you can tell. The, have you ever, has anybody ever heard from Savannah? And for those that know who Savannah is, she's married to a, by a man named LeBron James. Has anybody ever heard as much criticism that LeBron James takes on every platform, every talk show, everything he does? Have you ever heard Savannah speak out really on anything to do with his career on the court? Hell, I don't even know if she's spoken out as much about his career off the court, on the court. No. Hell, I don't even know if I've heard Aisha Curry speak out on anything on really the court-wise. Now, I know she's in the things about DM and man, and I'm not a hater. But come on, man. You know the point. Come on, Matthew. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. We are broadcasting from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producers, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. Back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing Spit of the One and Twos. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And we are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pillin and Whiskey. 
keep in mind, Pilton Whiskey is an oak barrel whiskey distilled in Canada using some of the finest ingredients from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Keep in mind, Pilton Whiskey specifically created to celebrate the bold spirit of independence and the hardworking ethic of the American cowboy and cowgirl. That's Pilton Whiskey, which is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association, and it's the official whiskey of the Professional Bull Riding Tour, which is the PBR Velocity Tour, and it's an official whiskey of the Sports Grind, and it's an official sponsor of the Sports Grind as well, too. 87737-GRIND. Um, yeah, so, um, and real quick, before we leave uh, the Denver Broncos scene, there's a couple of things, notes that I wanted to make as regards to that. Number one, a correction. Um, I was saying Hilton, it's Hinton, Kendall Hinton, who's been released. He's the guy that who is really, you know, he's been with the organization a long time. I mean, it's a fortunate because everybody that's followed that organization know he's a feel-good story. He's a hard worker. Like I said, he, you know, he stepped up in that game having to play emergency quarterback. It's ironic that was against the Saints, by the way, with Sean. But um, it is what it is. I, I've seen kind of the depth that this, some guys in the practice squad, some guys that they've signed, uh, you know, that he was probably going to be a casualty. And like I said, he's got a tough decision at the tight end position. I think Albert O, I will be kind of disappointed and kind of upset as Albert O is not doesn't make the final cut. I think it was shaky coming into this offseason and for him if you look at the moves. But I think he's uh, earned his roster spot. I think he's another weapon uh, that can be used in the passing game with the injuries early on to their receiving core. Uh, but very encouraging what I saw from Marvin Mims in the play. I mean, that's you got a glimpse of what this could possibly be. Now, granted, this is against guys that are going to be cut, four-string Rams. Rams might not be as deep. I get it. But it's actually, when you're talking about 41 points from this organization, that said something. The last thing I will say, because they saw, I saw him, you know, this was the, you know, um, home coverage they had on the NFL Network um, and Channel 9 News up in Denver. But I saw him smiling, and and I like to see him happy and stuff like that. But I'm thinking, Judy, <laughs> what I'm seeing tonight and what I'm seeing in the play call and really what's on the horizon, uh, you better get going, buddy. I mean, you better hope like hell that you repair and come back as healthy as you can be because I think this hamstring situation, is, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but my gut feeling tells me this is going to be a hamstring situation that's going to linger all season. I think Judy's going to be in and out. I hope I'm dead wrong, but I think he's going to be in and out of the lineup. And I think as we see this offense develop over the year, I think it's automatically going to pop out at you to where they could probably go on and phase him out if necessary. Remember, he isn't a Sean Payton draftee. He's not even a George Payton draftee. Okay? This is the last regime, the Mr. Elway. So Judy, he was up good spirits because he got a big smile on the sideline. I'm like, hey, kid. Well, I should say, brother, you're not a kid. Hey, brother, just just get back from there and you better get ready to ball and stop the droppies. That's the way I look at it. Um, but those are the things that I wanted to go ahead and touch on. Um, other, other things that popped off for me on the NFL final week, Deshaun Watson found pay dirt. I think, I mean, he had a total of what, like maybe, I think it was like five for 15 for like 96 yards, 90 yards and a touchdown. Uh, hit their tight end. You know, I keep saying this is the year that uh, he's had 
pretty much an off season. There's nothing about football. He kind of talked about that a little bit after the game, just saying, hey, you know, this time last year, time like, hey, this guy likes it here, you know, this and this. You know, you wonder about how to be comfortable. This is a time where he's had a whole off season or not. And I think he showed clip like he has, I've said it last week, he's flying on the radar and there's stock down on Deshaun Watson through the media and even out there. Hell, I just completed a fantasy draft Saturday. I think Deshaun went like seventh, eighth round. That's where I grabbed him at. Okay. Um, he, it's just people are down on him. I think he has an opportunity. There's a so lot you of, grabbed him. Yeah, I, I rolled with him. I rolled with him. I mean, good value in the seventh, eighth round. Um, I had a particular guy targeted. I'm not going to say that now because I've got one more draft here in about a couple hours. Um, and I have a big audience. So I don't know if guys in my league listen to it or not. And, you know, I'm not playing around because I've had so much going on, like, in, in my life business-wise for the last few years, um, you know, doing the show, the business-wise, doing the sports handicap and picks on Friday. I, it's just not a time to break down fantasy drafts. I mean, that's I've just been awful. But this time around, I said, you know what, the competitive side, it's like only won one league once, the one I'm in. It's a keeper league. And then the one I had Saturday was one of those that I drafted. That took like three and a half, four hours, man. That draft is like 16 rounds, 14, 15 teams deep. It's like, oh, my goodness. You know, but I love the camaraderie, though. But anyway, um, yeah, back to Deshaun. Um, no, I, he's flying on the radar. His value's down. But I think he definitely has an opportunity uh, to have a bounce back, uh, you know, type of a year. Um, now, this is the other thing. Jaquim Grant. You want to talk about somebody like, man, maybe him and Tim Patrick need to hang out together. But Because if I'm not mistaken, this is Jaquim's second straight year he's going to miss. And he got hurt in this final preseason game. You got to feel for the young man. I mean, damn. Those, those are one of those. Again, you we saw a generational quarterback talent by the name of Andrew Luck be forced and pushed into retirement due to rehab doing feeling lonely those rehab hours you're not part of the team the team has to move on that can take a toll on a man and this young gentleman this is going to be his second year huh mr clark that he's missing the uh entirety of the season he gets hurt in the last preseason uh, game of the season yeah and that was his first time touching the ball or or like suiting up for a game even the preseason game with cleveland because he didn't make it out of even out of camp last year uh, after after they acquired him from the Bears, mm. and, and then it's it, I got to the got to the game on Saturday uh, right there after kickoff, and I, and and you see the offense coming out on the field, and and I see a, a, a Browns player on a cart already already being taken off the. I'm like, don't tell me this is Grant again. Wow. Don't tell me. And sure enough, you know, that's Man. the reports come out. And so uh, it's frustrating because it is one of those things where, you know, you can put together a, you can put, put together a team on paper and then you, got, you just got to make it out of camp. And, the, and he's a guy who hadn't seen it again. I hadn't seen any preseason action. Mm. First time he's taken the field for Cleveland and, uh, and out again. So it, it's it, like you said, it's one of those things where you do kind of have to have the inside look at yourself and just like, how many times do I want to go through it's this? Tough, man. Because it's if, tough. if this is your passion, right? Playing yeah. football is your passion and you can't do your passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more frustrating. Very tough. And also what I wanted to touch on in that game, it looks like there's already been some action take place. But hey, man, game on the line kansas city we've got a chance to go and win get another preseason win for the cleveland browns this comes down to field goal what was this one was this one wide right or wide left which 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 one this kind of hooked a little bit 
I mean, the, the yeah, one that you missed. It kind of fluttered left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they made a decision today, and he's on the cut and chopping block, and he's been released. Is that correct? Cade York is no longer a Cleveland Brown. You know what? I, there, there's a laughter there in my voice, and I understand today and mm-hmm. the next 48 hours is going to be tough for the players. It's, it's a personal right. element to the football game that there are guys that – that, that this is their livelihood. Just yeah. talked about Jakeem Grant. This is their passion. This is what they want to do. This is everything they build up towards. Um, from the fan standpoint, you know, that that's you you take away okay from the personal element to the fan standpoint. Then you, in Cleveland, you're pretty I guess excited to see him off the roster because uh, somebody broke down the stats. I saw it, you know, in in the Browns' three losses because or three three not wins because they had a tie, uh, but after that Hall of Fame game, uh, they did not win another game this preseason, and the difference in all three of them were a field goal, whether it was hmm. one point, two points, it, it, the difference in all of them, and in each of those games, Cade York missed at least one kick. Um, you know, you had the time where he had the opportunity to to make two for right. in a game winning situation, and missed them both. So. He's gone. They've traded with uh, the Los Angeles Chargers already, hmm. taking in Dustin Hopkins, who lost the the starting kitchen, kicking job to Dicker the kicker. You know, UT hmm. fans out there will recognize that name. He won the he won the starting job in Los Angeles, so the Browns are bringing in Dustin Hopkins. Well, you know, I know there's a serious field goal. And, you know, a competition going to New Orleans uh, with Lutz and um, and their rookie. And, and, you know, there I watched that game last night between the Texans. Uh, C.J. Stroud had him on the docket. He looked good. He, he found he had led a score and drive. Uh, today, D'Amico Ryans has officially named him, which we all kind of anticipated. He is going to be their day one starter. Uh, looked his had his best preseason-looking game, say best for last. That's good news for them. Um, but, yes, this kicking competition between the rookie and Lux at Saints is going to – there's a lot of teams paying attention to that. I think, you know, Mahar has been safe. I think he looked pretty good. Saturday night, he didn't miss any kicks Saturday night. Uh, but again, you know, Lutz, Sean's let it be known. He's basically competing with about there. He said there's three different type of field goal competitions, and these guys are only competing with the guy on their roster. They're competing around as well um, in regards. But, you know, one thing I didn't have on the docket, but I did think about this in regards to, you know, when I saw that kick. Uh, the Browns, and then following that up with uh, Specs uh, getting cut and released again. You know, he was the Colts. This is, you know, he, he was all world in Georgia, uh, one of the best kickers in college at the time. Uh, he's with Indy. He had a hip thing, which I think had a lot to do with it. They released him. He just got signed on in Tampa or somewhere else, I think, and then he got released just a few days ago. And it got me to thinking now, all of a sudden, are we at a point when you look at the struggles? of the kid out of Michigan that's with the 49ers who has struggled this preseason and they spent a third round pick I think on him this year. I wonder are we to this stretch where we're seeing and it could just be fluky but you're seeing college kickers that are taken I don't know anywhere between three to round four five I mean three to four is pretty much high for a kicker and I feel like if you take a kicker have we seen the latest ones that have been drafted that high they haven't panned out. And I think Specs is injury. But the kid in Michigan, the jury's out. I'm, I, before I say this, but it's a valid question to ask, I'm going to give him in regular season how to get things going. I mean, they open up on the road in Heinz Field. That ain't an easy place for kickers to kick at. I've always heard that Heinz Field is horrible for kickers. It's just the way that stadium is, that wind blows out. It's a different trajectory. But he's starting on the road, and that is a game right there. 
that you know could easily come down to a field goal in the possession in regards to those teams. But I told you, Pittsburgh, I will be. I can tell you right now. I don't even know if I'm doing foundation picks in week one or not. But I will tell you, there's a strong lean with Pittsburgh and the points at home at 49ers. I'm very high. I, I know I follow Mike Tomlin long enough, and I know I can just tell in preseason, and I can tell kind of the offseason quiet and the season they had before. I can tell when Pittsburgh ready to bite, and when they bite, they just come bite you like that you know and and it's almost perfect timing with them because the division's thick thicker than a snicker okay but the reality of it is is that we might be seeing a stretch where these kickers are coming out with pressure and they're just not performing that well just food for thought because that's two top three round four round kickers that had got released within two or three days apart over the last two few years draft and we got the one that was taken high off to a rocky start in San Fran. 877-37 ground. What do you got? Well, and San Fran's Moody, of course, didn't get to kick the other day because he's injured. Um, Zane Gonzalez, they brought in. To, he's he's injured. And so there's reports of a potential Robbie Gold reunion there in Niner country uh, to open up the season because even Jake Moody might not even be there for Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, that's a good point. Uh, it's going to be interesting either way it goes. Um, yeah, I alluded to it. C.J. Stroud is named a starter. He looked pretty good. Uh, what are, Do we have any other, before we get into division picks, do we have any other updates, any other big names maybe released? I know we come into this deadline uh, tomorrow. Um, that's going to make it very interesting. I know the big storyline is going to be the deadline with, uh, you know. Um, Jonathan Taylor. JT, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, and that's going to be a must because, like I told you in the first hour, this is one. That's the reason why I wasn't leading with the AFC East because really with the AFC because Jonathan Taylor is it's very rare. You know, I'm not going to – it ain't on the level of Peyton Manning free agency that can swing a friend. No, I'm not saying that. But Jonathan Taylor, it's kind of funny too to me that we're all down on running backs. Well, not all because I'm not in that boat. But a lot of people are down on running backs in the position and it is what it is. But one guy is going to swing – the pendulum either way because it's not necessarily who he goes to it's just thing do you understand i mean if he goes to miami depending on what their return they're going to get back which i'm pretty sure it's going to be cash paying the country got to give him a new contract and i don't think it's going to be oh we're going to trade him for uh you know uh you know tyreek hill or or you know uh wallet no do you know picks even it's a run back do you understand what that does for miami I mean, you are like that running game that you've seen in San Fran, Mostert, and all them guys. The play caller on that is McDaniel's, and he's over in Miami. And there's a reason why I think they're in serious talk. This is not going to be an easy trade, but that is a very rarely do you get a player that is going to swing a conference one way or other. If he stays with Indy, which I believe. What I, what my gut, the more this is dragging out, what I do believe, they let him test the market, this thing, their way, because honestly, the Colts don't want to trade him. It's obvious they don't want to let him go. But the reality of it is they're waiting to say, okay, we're going to let him go. We're going to want him for this. What I think my gut is happening and the best thing to do, you look at Barkley, you look at Jacobs. I just saw him on social media. He's like, oh, hey, man, we're number eight. Oh, yeah, well, welcome back, Jacobs. You better be glad you family with Roll Tide. Okay, because what kind of shape you going to be in? You know, it's hard to breathe up there in the college. <laughs> that thin air. Okay, game one. What have you been doing all season? But he's back. Sound like a one-year deal. If I'm the Colts and you really care about Anthony Richardson, your prized possession, you got this guy Steichen. Steichen probably took this job interview like, man, can you imagine what I could do with Jonathan Taylor? We draft this kid. Give him a one-year deal. 
And this is where I think we're heading. Give them about 13 million, 12 million with a lot of incentives, and give them the non-franchise tag and get them back ready for week one against Jacksonville coming in and Lucas Oil Phil with Sunshine, a.k.a. Trevor Lawrence, led by Calvin Ridley. Get them in the camp. Well, hell, we're done with camp. Get them in the facilities and get ready to run. Okay, because I believe this whole back situation they're talking about, Jonathan Taylor, let him go to Miami and all of a sudden you're going to think he got some holy water sprayed on his back. He ain't basically got nothing wrong with his back. Now, he is recovering from a surgery, but that whole back situation is a bunch of crap. What do you got? You got something? Well, remember, he is under contract. Uh, so unless you're just doing doing a deal to replace this year, it's not even so much about this year's contract. It's about moving forward and wanting to see his value. And he wasn't going to get that, so it's a, so it's a trade demand. Um, if you're Miami, and, 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 and you, the way you laid it out, if you feel like Jonathan Taylor is that piece and he's the one guy that can swing a whole division, and, and if you swing the division, you might be swinging home field advantage through the playoffs. Exactly. All right, so if that's where you're talking, is it not? Are you why why not pull the trigger on the one? If if you really think that it's not so much about Jonathan Taylor and wanting a new not wanting the money now he now it's just the fact that he wants to feel respected. You're Miami, give him the opportunity to win a title this year. Um, you don't have to give him a new contract right away if that's again where you feel that it's not so much about the money. He just wants out of Indianapolis at this point. And you're, do you just pull it for a for a first round? And say okay. We're going to give you the first-round pick because we're not going to be able to get a Jonathan Taylor in this year's draft. Well, first of all, it's not that simple. I mean, it's just Miami giving the first round. Even if they can get a will in the park, you've got to, the, the argument, you've got to give them a one and a new contract. You're not giving – you're not going to trade – listen to that. You're not going to trade a first-round pick without signing Jonathan Taylor. You're not going to rent him for one season for a first-round pick. This is what makes this deal difficult. Because if I'm Indy, you're Ballard, you're talking about like, damn, man, y'all want you're like y'all want to give us the number one. Like, excuse me, if I'm Miami, I'm telling Ballard and Ursa, like, y'all want to give us the number one and we're going to pay this dude and lock him up for three or four years? Like, more like, we'll take a three. Give, give, give us a three. He doesn't want to be there. The two, you know we don't want to trade him, but you know you don't want to be him. And they're, no, they're not going to want this lingering over a young rookie coaching staff and a rookie quarterback. So, no, you've got to trade for Jonathan Taylor, and you got, he's going to get a new contract like that wherever he signs. He ain't going to get it maybe with Indy, but I think the only way he runs for Indy again, they've got to give him a new one-year deal. That dude is scheduled to make $2.5 million, I think, this season. He's outplayed that contract, and I don't care about the injuries last year or whatever. He's been their best player, and he was the face of the franchise after Andrew Luck walked out on them in the fourth preseason game. Pay the man or either trade him and get what you can get for him. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecki's Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro DeBell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producer, spin the one and twos. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this, it's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. 
Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. 